in this episode, I talk about my experience of playing a player character in my own campaigns and Loz pops in to give us all an update and to tempt us with new releases. Welcome to the Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 30, playing those characters and new temptations. And welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and welcome to November. All the clocks across the world have probably all gone back an hour now, and we here in the UK are back to GMT, Greenwich Mean Time. Darker mornings, but lighter evenings for a while. I really like the colours of autumn, the leaves on the trees although they do get a bit slippy once they hit the ground and get wet with rain. We are currently back to playing the fantasy version of Mithras, with the characters progressing in a range of areas. If you haven't seen an episode recently, well, Hazra has discovered he has a totem spirit looking after him, Cyrus has learnt a new spell and is still working on progressing within his order, and Bartby has risen in his own religious order and has now gained access to more healing magic. It's good to be back to the characters that we've been playing for a long period of time. One of the reasons I really like campaigns, rather than one-off adventures, is the way the characters progress. Not only do they get better spells and enhanced skills, they also develop their personalities. Now, since Hengist no longer plays in the campaign, Bartleby has become the longest serving member of the party. And I really like it when the players start to reminisce about their past adventures. Does anybody here remember when Hazra gained his lump hefting skill? This episode, I'm going to be flying solo again. I actually keep a document full of ideas for when I have a solo content episode. This saves me getting stressed out when no one has approached me to make an appearance of the podcast, or I fail in my influence role to try and persuade someone towards the microphone. Remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not just drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews with people. So if you are interested, then you can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. Also, if you want to skip to certain points within the podcast, then do use the chapter markers that I provide for each episode. Okay, let's fill this episode now. Later, Loz will be popping in with some updates, but first, all about me playing a character in my own campaigns as well as GMing. (laughs) 
always get quite anxious when a new player joins the group. I never know how they are going to fit in, whether their playing style fits the campaign or if they're going to get on with the rest of the group. Shortly after we had created characters for the M-Space campaign, Longshanks decided no longer to play with us and left the group. This really left a problem within the composition of the group, since his character was not only the character with Sarnix, but also the medic and doctor. I felt that this was an important role within the group, and until I had a feel of how deadly the combat was, I needed to have medical support readily available for the characters. It was at this point that I decided to play a character within the campaign. I could have tried and found a new player for the group, but I've never liked inviting people and saying to them that you have to play this sort of class or character. I always want everyone to have a choice. I can imagine that the other more experienced GMs than myself out there might have gone with a different option. But for me, I created a character and launched into the campaign and Purdy was created. Purdy is essentially a medical robot. I wanted to use robotics from the M-Space companion rules and felt that a robot with medical skills would be a perfect match for the group. Initially, she was going to be a floating droid type device, similar to the interrogation droid that floats into the cell when Darth Vader wants to interrogate Princess Leia. However, I thought a floating robot might provide some conflict with her passive playing. For example, if there was a chasm to cross, the party could send Purdy across with a rope rather than working out a different tactic. Or they could just say, Purdy, just float up there and see what's in that window, will you? As a robot, she is there to serve, but I didn't want her to be taken advantage of. Although the players sometimes joke about using her as a shield, etc., I know that they are excellent players and would never actually do it. Well, I hope that's the case. Being a robot, Purdy can remain very quiet most of the time. She rarely interacts unless asked to do so. And although she has a variety of skills, she would never volunteer these unless asked by the players. This allows me as the GM to only say what action she will do, roll her dice and possibly provide ideas when the party gets stuck. I've always liked the idea role from Call of Cthulhu and playing a character within the group allows me to support the group with that type of role. The other really great thing about Purdy is that I get to role play her. She has already adopted a style very similar to C-3PO from Star Wars and everyone knows that she has a dislike for public recharging stations. In her words, you never know what you might catch from a public terminal. Although the majority of the time we refer to the characters by their surnames, Minsk, Hammond and Newman, Purdy always refers to them by their first name rather like a fond aunt or grandma. This, coupled with her hidden sarcasm and robotic thinking, makes her such fun to play. When we moved back to Mithras, I had the same issue with replacing a character. 
Hengis was the main tank of the group and really took the role of the frontline fighter. Hazra has excellent skills for combat, but his armour means he's more of a support fighter or skirmisher. So I created another character, a tanky human known as Ulrich. Now, at this point, I'm not going to tell you all about him, since I know that the players sometimes listen to this podcast and I don't want to give anything away. I have to say, though, I am very pleased with him as a character and will enjoy playing him in a passive way. There is definitely more to reveal about him in future adventures. So what do I think about playing a character in a campaign while I am also GMing? Well, first, I enjoy creating characters and creating my own. I have really started to understand the character creation procedure much better. In a similar way, I've started to look in more depth in the skills that we use and the specials that are very active in combat. And I really like to choose the ones which are more appropriate for each situation. I also have a way to passively steer the party in certain directions or to help them when they get puzzled. Of course, I would have preferred to created and played both Purdy and Ulrich in a real campaign, but as a dedicated GM, the opportunity to do this is rare and far between. If you ever get the opportunity to play a character within your campaign, then I would say have a go at it. It certainly allows you the opportunities to see things from the player's point of view and to create characters that actually develop as the campaign progresses. And of course, if you don't like them, you can always think about some heroic way for them to meet their final end. With Christmas approaching quickly, I thought I would invite Loz onto the podcast so he could tempt us with new releases that we can add to our Christmas lists. Over to you, Loz. Hi, this is Lawrence uh, wishing everybody listening a very happy autumn or fall and hope that you're all safe, warm and well. And Ian has invited me to give you a quick update on things that you can look forward to from the Design Mechanism Stable over the next few months. So without further ado, I'll run through things that we currently have in advanced states of production. Um, the most exciting one is without a doubt Destined, which is our standalone superhero game using the Mithras rule set. It's written by Mike Larimore and Brian Pivik, and it's well on its way to production. Uh, layout has finished. We are currently heavily proofing the uh, the laid out manuscript. It comes in at about 300 or so pages, but it is a complete game. Um, and the 
system covers everything from Silver Age superheroes right up to the gritty realism of current superhero movies and television like The Boys, The Dark Knight, The Avengers and so on. It will really tackle most superhero genres of whatever kind that you wish to throw at it. It has a very innovative power system. It's got lots and lots of background on handling your heroes from secret identities to assets, tools, gadgets, hideouts, assembling a super team, how supervillains work, and all that wonderful stuff um, that goes to make up a great superhero game. It's also got its own setting, which is the city of Gemelos on the United States West Coast. So a slightly different flavor to games that are typically based on the East Coast around analogs with Chicago or New York or Gotham or whatever. This has a slightly different sort of West Coast flavor to it. Really looking forward to this coming out. Um, most likely going to be at the start of 2022, so the start of next year. And keep your eyes peeled for more information on uh, when Destin will be available. We're also working on Mythic Polynesia. Um, this is the latest Mythics uh, edition, and it's written by Mark Shirley, and as the name suggests, it focuses on the South Pacific archipelagos. Hugely evocative game. Um, the artwork is just about complete for this, and it really brings to life the myths, the dangers, the religions, the weird monsters and spirits um, of the South Pacific and the, the Polynesian islands. Um, Mark brings with it his customary attention to detail, his superb way of conveying information on a, a detailed historical setting, and it will be a wonderful addition to our Mythic Earth series of books. We're probably looking at the middle of next year before that is released, and again, we will give more information on that as we get closer to the release date. One thing that we can say that will be out this year before Christmas is for classic fantasy, and that is a module called The Temple of Set. It's Egyptian-themed or Egyptian-inspired. It's written by Darwin Martin, uh, who's written a couple of classic fantasy modules for us before, and it's about 80 pages. That has just finished its final proofing, and we will have that on sale within the next two to three weeks. Um, so for all you classic fantasy aficionados out there we haven't forgotten you there is a release coming up and if you're not necessarily a fan of classic fantasy it will work perfectly well with normal Mithras if you like the Egyptian feel in your games so it's definitely one to uh, keep your eyes peeled for and Staying with the classic fantasy theme, a quick update on the Unearthed Companion. This has been on the cards for a few years now, and little hiccups um, in the workflow have kind of occurred, with, which have, have delayed it. But now it's it's almost here. Uh, we've received the manuscript from Rodney Leary. We are working through it editorially, looking at um, the way the book is scoped, uh, what things we need to change, what things we need to tighten up, and this is a certainty for a 2022 release. Um, it's now well into uh, the, the, the production cycle. And Rod has done a fantastic job of taking classic fantasy to those higher four and five ranks. There's a plethora 
of new spells, a plethora of new treasures, lots and lots of new monsters, some little tweaks to the rules here and there, based on feedback that we've had from Classic Fantasy, and incorporating Samarata. Um, the book will probably be about uh, 220, 230 pages in length, and again, more information as it progresses through its production cycle. But certainly it will be released uh, in the next 12 months or so. That kind of um, brings us up to date with uh, all the, the main releases that are coming out. But of course, we do have lots that we don't really uh, have too much to say at the moment. We have a very, very full pipeline of things that we are working on. Adventures that have been submitted and are being reviewed editorially for Mythic Constantinople, Luther Arkwright, more classic fantasy, and a couple of other things, um, including Mythic Britain. Um these things will progress through 2022. Um, they certainly are not in any stage to uh, for us to talk about in terms of their production schedule at this point, but definitely things to look forward to. So lots and lots for next year coming up. Uh, certainly lots on the horizon. Destined, Temple of Set, Mythic Polynesia, these are, are all very, very well developed and uh, very much looking forward to seeing them. I've waffled on enough, so let me wish everybody a very happy holiday season for our friends in the United States. Spend lots on Black Friday, especially on Mithras products. And I look forward to speaking with all of you again at some point in the not too distant future. Back to Winwills. So many exciting things on the horizon. I'm going to have a very full list for Black Friday and Christmas. The only difficulty I have is where to find the time to actually play and engage with all these rules and supplements. You have probably noticed that when I'm flying solo on these podcast episodes, they are generally shorter than usual. But don't worry, I'm not finishing here. I have got something else to chat about before I finish. I didn't mention it in the introduction, but I wanted to slot it in here as, say, a bonus. We've been exploring a new system within our gaming sessions that, after playtesting it for a while, have decided to stick with. I thought I would share it with you. You can let me know your thoughts about our system and whether you have created anything similar for your own groups. We are all aware how precious luck points are. They can be used in so many situations and in so many ways that can result in anything from succeeding in a role to bringing your character back from the brink of death. The players in our group are all well versed in using luck, but as a GM, I was not. I often thought when I started to play Mithras that I would never use luck and never actually assigned it to any monsters or NPCs. I then moved away from this and started to dabble with the use of group luck roles and found these usable. When creating a character or encounter, I would allocate a number of luck rolls to it that I could use at my discretion. Of course, as per the core rulebook, I could not affect a dice roll that had already been changed by a luck roll. But apart from this, I really had no restrictions. 
I didn't ever want to remove the heroic nature of the encounters, but at some times I wanted my villains to have the same chance of avoiding death or making that skill roll as the players did. After a while of using the group look um, method, I proposed a change that we have been playing for some time now that appears to be working well. At the start of a session, the party starts off with all their luck rolls, and I, as the GM, start off with none. As soon as a character uses a luck roll, then that luck is transferred to my pool for the use throughout the session. So the more they use luck, the more I gain to be able to use. This really makes the players think before they use their luck rolls, not only because they have a limited number, but also because the more they use, the more I get to use against them. I use the combat cards to track this luck. I did a video about these that you can find on my YouTube channel, links in the show notes. So as they, they give me luck, I use the combat cards by placing them on my keyboard so that I can see them throughout the game. I also use them to wave at the players when they are considering using luck so that they can see that they will be giving it to me as the GM. The whole system is really working well at the moment and I wondered what you thought about it. And while you're thinking, maybe you could help me with something else. As the game reaches the last few minutes, many luck points are spent. Although they are used well, it does mean that they know that the end of the session is coming to an end and that luck points will be replenished for the next session. This means that they use them and I get the luck rolls to spend, but there's literally no time to spend them. In my script, there is a sad emoji face here. So should I be able to carry over the luck to the next session or should I just accept that this is what happens and allow the players to taunt their luck rolls at me knowing I will never get to use them? Let me know. I'm really interested in what other people do and how you have integrated luck into your games. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas of World Anvil. I really appreciate your support and do check the Tapper Talk forums. There are some great people there sharing their ideas within discussions. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in December. Until then, I hope all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye.
The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.